Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Honor Yoga Now podcast. Have you checked out Yoga Hustle? Remember, use our code for 20% off at checkout. The code is HONOR20. And remember, they are also the only women-owned and run mat and accessory company in the United States. So thanks again for tuning in. Um, I'm sitting with Dr. Natalie Edmonds. Um, she's a licensed clinical psychologist and you're also a yoga teacher. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So the topic today is yoga for depression and anxiety. And Natalie, you actually run a workshop with Honor dealing with this subject, right? I do, yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, so Natalie, tell me a little about your background and how, like when did you start with yoga and how does yoga tie into everything? Well, it's interesting because if you had told me in graduate school that I would be teaching yoga, I would have thought it was hilarious. Because <laughs> really? I saw no <laughs> connection between psychology and yoga whatsoever. Um, so uh, I have a doctorate in clinical psychology and I... Um, been practicing for close to 20 years at this point. Wow. Um, so I moved back to New Jersey in 2003 and um, within a couple of years became a director of a women's trauma program. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where I had the introduction to yoga. Really? Um, so in that program, there was really a lot of emphasis on the mind-body connection. Okay. And how so much of our life experiences we hold in our body. Mm. Right, and that uh, traditional talk therapy is amazing and wonderful for many people, but for a lot of people who struggle with depression and anxiety, um, their body has a story to tell that sometimes we can't capture in words and we have to capture through movement really? or through changing our breath. And so um, in that women's program, we offered yoga. And so for a lot of the women, it was their first introduction to yoga or it felt like... Um, beginning again for them and as a way to get in touch with their body and what their body might be trying to communicate with them really? and so that kind of started the journey for me to then seek out trainings and therapies that were more mindfulness based that were more about how do we build curiosity about the body so you're saying like just like movement like a sauna or mm -hmm. any kind of movement right and so this idea of even when we're sitting here right if I'm to if I sit up straight I start to feel my mood shift a little bit versus if I start to slouch and around my shoulders, my mood shifts a little bit, right? Really? And so even those little things, it's like, oh, so like I could be sitting in my office chair and just lengthen a little bit when I start to notice I, I naturally do this. Yeah. So to lengthen a little bit, that just starts to activate a little bit. You know, I never thought of something that... I don't, I don't want to say tiny, but like such a um, a, 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 a small movement. Mm -hmm. But it's true. When right. you sit up straight, you pull your shoulders back, you put the chin up. You do. You you feel confident, or you feel more mm -hmm. awake, even. Right. I, I I understand what you're saying. Like when you slouch down, you're kind of closing the body mm -hmm. off. You're you're giving maybe a, a signal of upsetness or mm -hmm. scaredness. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Yes, yeah. that makes so much sense. Yeah. Wow. So in your practice, do you see a lot of, uh, obviously, you, you, you do see a lot of depression and anxiety, mm -hmm. and, and do you try to incorporate yoga with certain, um, you know, certain, like, techniques and stuff that you, um, like, you know, try to help people with? Do I do, yeah. And okay. so I see yoga as um, similar to kind of the eight limbs of yoga. Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, asana as part of it, the physical movement, mm -hmm. but there's also 
how do we use our breath as a way to regulate you know how we're feeling mm-hmm. but also just thinking about principles of meditation or concentration or ahimsa non-violence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or um, consistent practice of something to build new habits so I try to incorporate all of that mm-hmm. right and and kind of getting to know my clients and who they are and which part of them part of that eight limbs might be most helpful to them in this moment okay. as kind of like an, an entryway into this practice right so with depression anxiety I know it takes a toll on the body mm-hmm. right with the nervous system mm-hmm. and so so how um, like give me some examples I guess of, of of like what happened to the nervous system, what happens to the brain, the physical body right. with depression and anxiety. Right. So I guess I'll back up and talk about just we all have a nervous system, right? Yeah. And so um, some of that is kind of wired into our temperament. So mm-hmm. when we're first born, we kind of have a, a temperament. Like some of us are a little bit more shy. Some of us are kind of naturally anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us are more extroverted, <laughs> right? And so, yeah. so, the, so the nervous system is kind of pre-wired for that and then our environment helps to shape what happens next Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so so it's that nature versus nurture right and so um, so what happens with the nervous system is as we're having experiences in the world we start to kind of build um, kind of wiring in our brain and the brain kind of creates shortcuts so it remembers right so like when people see like a sunset and mm-hmm. like they start to like maybe relax or yeah. that it's like a beautiful thing, right? The nervous system kind of calms down. So what happens is that there's actually three different parts of our nervous system. Okay. And it's called polyvagal theory, right? Okay. Created by Stephen Porges. And um, he ha- there's so many great YouTube videos out there if people really <laughs> want to get to know the polyvagal theory. But I'll give the, f- the user-friendly version. Yeah, okay. Right, which is basically... Um, when we feel safe and social, we're in the ventral vagal nerve. Right? Okay. And so safe and social is kind of optimal level of arousal. So we feel confident, we feel compassionate towards ourselves, other people, we have we have ability to have gratitude, mm-hmm. we're more flexible, we're more free-flowing, we have more humor, we're able to be more playful. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of us have life experiences that make us make it hard to live in that space, to live in that zone. Okay. Right? Um, because if your experiences are that life, life isn't fair, that life is not safe, that the world isn't safe, mm-hmm. then we tend to contract, right? Okay. Or we tend to avoid, or we tend to become aggressive, right? So whenever stressors happen in the environment, our nervous system automatically shifts into a different zone. Okay. Right? So for some of us, you know, we automatically shift into kind of fight or flight. Yeah. Right. And so that's a mobilized action. And so that can look like um, agitation, anxiety, could be like the mind is racing. Mm-hmm. Um, we can be thinking about like, how are we going to defend ourselves? Um, there can be a lot of chatter in the mind. Yeah. And we can also flee. Right. So flee could be escaping physically. Like the situation. Mm-hmm. Or it can be escaping mentally. Right. Okay. Right. And so we can escape by using food. We can escape by using drugs and alcohol, oh, right? Okay, yes. Um, so we don't have a whole lot of control over the fight or flight, right? It's We just kind of naturally do that. And it's a survival response. Yeah. Um, so when, when the system is overwhelmed, we can go into shutdown mode, which is called dorsal vagal. Okay. Right? And so dorsal vagal, so in that shutdown mode, that's the more depressive energy, right? Okay. So... 
if I step back, right, so we have safe and social, which is the middle zone. Or okay. we, and when we get stressed, we shoot up into hyperarousal, which is mobilized into fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And if it's too overwhelming, we, it's almost like a ladder. We zoom all the way down and we shut down, right? And the, it's the body's way of conserving energy, right? So we don't have a lot of energy. We don't talk a whole lot. We, we're not very social. Mm -hmm. um, we could be sleeping a lot, lying in bed, right? It makes it just really hard to do things. And the body is always trying to regulate itself. And so none of these zones are bad or good. Yeah. It's just a map. We need them all. But the problem is that sometimes we live too much of our life, either in the high zone mm -hmm. where we're anxious and agitated, okay. or we live too much of our life in the low zone. low zone where we're like depressed. And so right. we want to try to spend more time in the middle zone or be able to more fluidly move up and down as we need to. Right, try to even them out. Mm -hmm. Which is how yoga becomes so helpful because we can learn tools of how to help ourselves. Right, now can you have like anxiety without depression? Can you have depression without anxiety? Because mm -hmm. my own maybe experiences, I may live in the high zone right. because I get anxious really quick. Mm -hmm. And you know, I do my best to manage it and sometimes I ignore it, you know, right. yes, I shut down. I, I you know, eat some cookies or, you mm -hmm. know, like I, I, or just totally shut down or sit there and watch mindless TV where mm -hmm. my mind doesn't have to right. yeah. do anything. Absolutely. Um, and I get physical symptoms. Like my, I, I get mm -hmm. hot and my, my chest, I don't mm -hmm. like, sometimes I get heart palpitations, but mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes my chest is like closing in. Like it's hard to breathe. I mean, I can breathe in and out, but right. it's, it, it, it's heavy. Yeah. And, but I, I don't go down. Right. Like I don't, I don't lay my bed or, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I think I run high and right. middle, right. you yeah. know, so right. can you have like depression without anxiety and anxiety without depression? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I also think that there's a difference between kind of momentary mm -hmm. anxiety or momentary sadness versus ongoing anxiety and ongoing sadness. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we're, many people are moving up and down, right? And so something gets triggered, whether it's something in the environment or something in our head. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, absolutely. We like can. by certain situations, mm -hmm. that's I think where I, I feel like I got this going on, I got that going on, and, and it just brings me up there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow. And right. so uh, that's just like my experience. And sure. um, so um, there is that, that difference between mm -hmm. the anxiety and depression. Like, mm -hmm. so being high and then being low, could that also trigger like, um, um, like make a personality disorder or something like that? Well, what's interesting is um, it's kind of like which comes first, the chicken or the egg, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so um, what I like about the polyvagal theory or this idea of like getting to know our nervous system, I often talk about befriending mm -hmm. our nervous system because oftentimes we um, learn to be very critical of our nervous system mm -hmm. or, and, um, or our behaviors and how do we start to understand what's the wisdom behind it or what's the intention behind our nervous system or mm -hmm. our behaviors. Mm -hmm. So thinking about um, what's activating people, right? Sometimes it's, it's nothing is happening in the environment, but there's a story we've learned to tell in our head. Right. And the story, you know, it's like anything, the more we do something, the more it becomes a habit. And the more we do things as a habit, the more it can shape our personality. 
right? And so what polyvagal theory says is that if we start to change our zone, mm -hmm. then that can have a ripple effect over everything else, right? So if I notice that I'm pretty consistently living up here, as you were saying, yeah. um, how do I be build curiosity? How do I build mindfulness about like, what makes me not only land up there, but stay up there, okay. right? Because sometimes we live up there because we're really afraid of resting, right? Or relaxing. Yeah. And so we just are always up there. Um, that gives us some comfort, even if it stresses us out, stresses us out, right? Right. Like you always need to be moving. I always need to be mm -hmm. doing something. Right. Like it's okay to take it down and just... Right. Like somebody even like uh, have a podcast coming about self care, mm -hmm. you know, like really taking the time and just being with yourself and just doing something for yourself, mm -hmm. you know, not not being, um, you know, just taking that time mm -hmm. and being able to be okay with it. That's right. what I'm trying to go with it. Being right. okay with it, right? You know, and it, so I guess does that relate to right? Absolutely, and and it's, it goes back to this neuroplasticity of our brain. Right? Okay. So this neuroplasticity says that our brain can rewire at any point in our life. All it takes is repeated experiences of a particular kind to, to, in order to develop new habits, right? Okay. So for example, like I think about one of the yogic practices is having a sadhana of some sort. Okay. Right? So some sort of home practice that we do consistently for a period of time mm -hmm. to develop new habits, right? So, so I was doing the sadhana uh, earlier this summer and I remember we had to create a vision board. Okay. Um, and I'd never created a vision board. And the whole idea was, what do you want? What's your intention for the next 30 days? And I remember I had like all this stuff on the vision board, right? <laughs> and my yoga teacher was like, mm, I think you could do less. <laughs> and I was looking at my peers um, who had all this white space in their vision board, and um, mine had none. And I remember it was this aha moment for me of like, I didn't even think I could have white space on my vision board, <laughs> right, you which, kind of, up. <laughs> which kind of mirrors my life. I tend to not have a lot of white space in my calendar. Yeah. And I remember, so in the 30-day sadhana, I remember like the first half of the sadhana, I kept thinking, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. And But that's the story I was telling myself. But because I dedicated myself to this practice for 30 days, I could mm -hmm. sit with it and yeah. actually start to challenge those thoughts and not indulge them. Right, because indulging would have been like do more, versus sit with the discomfort okay. around that and don't do more. Don't do more, right? Because I tend to also live up here mm -hmm. and then I crash and I'm down there. Okay, right? And uh, because if I spend too much time up here, my my nervous system automatically says shut down. You're not going to shut down. I'm going to shut you down. Okay, right? Yes. And so, so what I ha what's happened in the second half of my sadhana, my 30-day practice, mm -hmm. was that I was able to relax into it and actually really appreciate the white space, oh, right? Yes. And so, but that I was rewiring my brain. So was that being friends with your nervous system, mm -hmm. like, cause it, like coming right. back to that really quick? So, right. like, that's how you can be friend with your nervous system, right. just sitting with the discomfort. Right. And and soothing, right? Because you could sit with it and just have all these negative stories. Right, or you can sit with it and be like, "It's okay. Yep, this is hard. This is different. Yep, you know." And if we keep doing this, like our goal is to be able to rest more. Okay. So, just like really quick, what what are some like techniques and tools that we can use um, when we're feeling this way? 
Sure. So I would, um, I really like to tailor it to which zone people are in, right? Okay. So if we're in the middle zone, so we're safe and social, mm -hmm. and we're, that's our optimal level of arousal. So an optimal level of arousal, we can take in information, we can connect with people. And so we learn strategies to help us stay there. Okay. Right? And so some, for some people that's um, imagining being in a safe place or a place that gives them comfort, right? And for a lot of people, that's the beach, mm -hmm. right? Or something like that. Uh, or somewhere in nature for a lot mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. um, or we learn techniques that help us bring us back when we move out of that zone, right? When we're in the top zone, that hyper mm -hmm. zone, we want to learn, we want to meet our nervous system where it's at, right? Like I think about how many people live up here, right? And then um, they have a hard time resting and relaxing. And so restorative yoga would be really great for them, right? Oh, and yet okay. most people who live up there don't want to go to restorative yoga, right? Right? Because it's just, that's like the anti, right? Right? Um, to take a whole hour plus and just like relax. Yeah. Like the mind will be like, that's not productive. That's not productive. What am right. I going to do? And then the mind will race. Yes. Right? Yes. What am I doing when I get out of here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, and so much of anxiety is about not living in the present moment, living in the future. Right. It's the to-do list and the worries and the planning and yeah. all that stuff. Right. And so meeting the nervous system where it's at is maybe you need to do something active first. Like maybe you need to do like, um, take a run, do a, like a more active yoga class, mm -hmm. just to meet the ner nervous system or the energy where it's at. And then maybe you can do some restorative, a couple of restorative poses because you've like kind of discharged that energy or moved yeah. that energy around. So same thing with breathing techniques, right? Is mm -hmm. that we might want to do more energizing breathing techniques mm -hmm. first, and then we can do relaxation breathing. Okay. Right. And most people, when they think of breathing exercise, they just think of breathing that relaxes you. Mm -hmm. But if we think of like breath of fire or Kapalabhati yeah. or, or breath of joy, mm -hmm. that's things that like kind of rev up the energy. Mm -hmm. And so conversely, if you're in the low zone, we want to also respect that zone and that energy and we want to meet it where it's at, right? If I am living in the low zone, right, that dorsal low energy shutdown mode, I don't, my energy doesn't want to do something invigorating and active. It's kind of like, uh, yeah. right? So we want to meet it there. So you might want to do more relax, relaxing breathing exercises. So that could be like um, inhale, exhale, mm -hmm. or maybe even counting. breaths. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to meet that first and then we want to start to activate, right? So okay. it's just sometimes like, you know, there's different levels of being in the low zone, right? Yeah. There's a low, low zone that's just kind of like, oh, it's Friday night. I'm kind of spent from the week. Yeah. And then I wake up Saturday and I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Versus like, I'm actually depressed. And right. for several days I live in that zone, right? Mm -hmm. So those are two different kind of ways of being in the low zone. Yeah. And so we want to do something that's not jarring to the nervous system. We want to respect it and then help it move up. So for somebody who's just stuck in bed, maybe it's just about doing a little bit of stretching in bed, yeah. rolling out your yoga mat and just lying on the yoga mat. Yeah. And then maybe you wiggle your toes and maybe it starts to get a little mm -hmm. bit more. Maybe you do a sun salutation. Right. Because sometimes when you're in that state, it could be hard to just get out of the bed. Right. Exactly. It, it's, you know, it, it's so hard to say, oh, I've got to pull my mat out. Mm -hmm. You know, like, right. I, I, yeah, yeah, I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. um, so, so one more question. When you're high in that anxiety level, mm -hmm. so you're saying it, like, you can 
do an active practice, even though you're so high, mm -hmm. right, to get it out and then it'll mm -hmm. come down. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That and, makes sense. And some of it is, you know, so much of this is building mindfulness, right? Mm -hmm. And so getting to know your nervous system, because so often we're conditioned to, how do I just change this? Versus how do we get to know it first and then we can change it, right? Because there's, there's some reason behind the behavior, yeah. right? And so the more that I can build curiosity about that, then for some people having an active practice is what they need, but for some people it's about doing a breathing exercise that lengthens the exhale, mm -hmm. right? Because lengthening the exhale calms the nervous system yeah. down. Right, so there's a difference between like on a scale of 10, I'm at like a 6 out of 10 versus a 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. Right, like 6 out of 10, maybe I can just do some pranayama, some mm -hmm. breathing exercises that's like inhale 2, exhale 5, mm -hmm. and that brings me down. But if I'm at 10 out of 10, I need to probably like move that energy around first, yeah, and then I can go do the right breathing, right? Oh, wow, this is my mind's blown a little bit like mm -hmm. learning so much all the time um so natalie agreed to do a little guided meditation yeah, for us i'm excited yay yeah. okay so i'm just gonna sit right. yeah, <laughs> you yeah, can start yeah. whenever you want sure. should i close my eyes well what i always tell people when i teach meditation is number one rule is find the most comfortable position that you can be in right because okay. if you're uncomfortable that's what you're going to meditate on and so what's the point of that okay right um that eyes open or close either one is fine right okay. i encourage people have their eyes open if they tend to get really sleepy okay right um or you could just notice like what your body naturally wants to do yeah maybe right? like a soft gaze or something okay right, exactly. okay so yeah. i'm gonna go with the soft gaze right. <laughs> um, and the other thing i often tell people about is that when we do meditation that because we're talking about energy today mm -hmm. is that sometimes we show up for meditation and we're on the restful side of meditation so that means you know there's more space in between our thoughts there our body is probably more in the middle zone mm -hmm. um there's more of a sense of peace or relaxation and then sometimes we show up to meditation and we're more in that high zone. And so the, the mind is thinking and planning and analyzing and to not and to try not to judge wherever you show up. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so that's the befriending is just to allow it to be and just start to observe that. Okay. All okay. right. Yeah, Great. I think I'm a little high right now, so I'm yeah. not gonna judge myself. <laughs> <laughs> And it's so great to be able to laugh at our nervous system, like oh in an affectionate way, right? Yes. yes. I love my nervous system. Yes, exactly. Because it only wants you to survive. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. Cool. You're the bomb. <laughs> yeah. Right. So um, we're just going to settle into our seat with a soft gaze or gently closing the eyes. And we just start to use our senses to arrive into the space. Tuning in to the sounds around us, allowing them to become part of the experience. Feeling the air touching our skin.
noting our body's energy right here, right now. Taking our emotional temperature. Welcoming our breath just as it is. Noticing the rise and fall of the breath. Perhaps noting if the energy feels a little low, perhaps focusing on the inhale. And if the energy feels a little high, focusing on the exhale. all parts of yourself into the space. Welcoming the parts you adore, and the parts you struggle with. or spend a lot of energy judging. We can just observe what passes through our mind. it appear and disappear, like cars driving by. And perhaps we notice the speed of the thoughts and the emotions. We notice which ones return again and again. yourself to soften into the experience. Noticing any tension we may be holding in our body. Just breathing into those spaces. to stay in this meditative space for as long as you'd like.
Nothing to accomplish. Nothing to do. Just being. inevitably starts to explore, you know you have a choice to come back to the breath or to stay with the thoughts. breaths, starting to make your way back into the space, taking care and taking your time. My brain was telling me that I should come out, but my body is really relaxed. Even as I talk to you, I don't want mm -hmm. to turn my head too much because my head feels like heavy, but not heavy. Mm -hmm. My hands, like I haven't moved them yet. And my fingertips and my arms feel like I'm not holding them where they are. They're just there. Mm -hmm. So I guess I should just slightly start to move my head mm. a little bit more, <laughs> and my fingers, like, mm. yeah, like, like I just feel like, like, kind of like they're unattached to my body, but I know they're there, mm -hmm. right? Um, wow, thank you, Natalie, that was wonderful. Natalie, thank you for being here and shedding light on this subject, and, um, also, anyone, we're going to put um, uh, Natalie's information and um, all the information for her workshop that's running with um, Honor Yoga. Um, and also, check your local Honor to see um, if and when the, um, the, the workshop is running. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my name's Amy Taza. Thank you for listening and tuning in. Have a great night. <laughs>